And welcome to Soccer 101. My name is Daryl Grove and today I'm explaining positional play. I know, brave, right? But not really, because positional play isn't as hard to grasp as you might think. It's hard to pull off, for sure. And coaches like Pep Guardiola and Marcelo Bielsa create some dazzlingly complex soccer within the framework of positional play. But positional play is really just a way of thinking about how to win football matches. It's a little bit Dutch, a little bit Spanish. The original term is juego de posición, but I'm not pretentious enough to say that for an entire show. So let's stick with positional play. And let's get started with a couple of quotes. Here's the aforementioned Pep Guardiola, easily the most famous and most successful proponent of positional play. Pep says, quote, one must occupy the right positions and the positions depend on where the ball is located. Unquote. Is that just nonsense gobbledygook? It's not, I promise. Pep's saying that when the ball is in a specific area, he has specific places on the field for all his players to be. When it's in a different area, he has different specific places that he wants all his players to be. Because positional play is about multiple movements from every member of the team, all in response to where the ball is. Here's Juan Manuel Leo, a highly regarded Spanish coach who was a mentor to Guardiola and an assistant to Jorge Sampaoli with both Chile and Sevilla. Leo says, quote, it's not about moving the ball, it's about moving the opponent, unquote. This means it's not just about passing the ball around and around and around and around and around, possession for possession's sake. It's about doing something proactive to move the opponent out of position, creating situations you can exploit. To combine the two quotes, you move the ball around, you move your players around, and between those two things, you move the opposition around. And then you advance up the field and create goal-scoring opportunities. Here's a quick, simplified example to illustrate. You have the ball, your team has the ball on the right-hand side of the field. You have a certain number of your players also on that side. You pass it around. You draw the opposition in. As soon as they've committed a good chunk of their team to that side of the field, bam, you hit a big switch to the other side where you've got a couple of guys ready to go, ready to attack that open space down the left-hand side. Now, a team could do that accidentally. Like it just worked out that way because you got stuck on one side and then one of your players noticed the opposition had overcommitted and so they hit the big switch just to get out of trouble as much as anything. But the key to positional play is that nothing about it is accidental. If you're a positional play team, then you deliberately set that trap. You deliberately suckered the opposition to that side of the field and then you deliberately switched to attack the other side with the open space. You were one, two, three, maybe more steps ahead the whole time. And that's why teams executing positional play at a high level look absolutely unstoppable. Here's another quick, simple example. It involves a player who doesn't even touch the ball. Say, a central midfielder. He knows he's being marked and he has little chance of receiving the ball. But positional play is a team game. So this central midfielder runs out wide, taking his marker with him. Simultaneously, a teammate, a different attacker, 
runs into the space that the original midfielder and his marker just vacated. Now, because of that movement, this attacker is free to receive the ball. Maybe it doesn't work because that second attacker's marker went with him. But there's a good chance it does because the players on the positional play team planned this out and they're at least a step ahead of the opposition. And this is just the simplest version. Good positional play teams build much more complex patterns that are designed to make defenders' heads spin. Honestly, I could stop there and we'd have a good, basic definition of positional play. But I'm feeling confident. I feel like we can go one or two layers deeper and get into a bit more of the framework. But first, today's Soccer 101 is sponsored by Hims, a wellness brand for men. If positional play can help teams play their best, Hims wants to help men look their best. An incredible 66% of men start to lose possession of their hair by the age of 35. But Hims offers a way to counterpress and win it back high up the field. The Hims hair loss solution is not a suspicious shortcut like snake oil pills or gas station supplements or long balls to tall strikers. It's an FDA approved medical solution backed by science and prescribed by licensed doctors. And you won't have to leave your zone of comfort, aka your home, and go and see a doctor in person. With Hims, you can connect with a doctor online confidentially and discreetly. If the doctor says Hims is right for you, then the medication to treat your hair loss is shipped directly to your door with the accuracy of a Sergio Busquets through ball. If you're interested, you can get started with your first month free. Go to forhims.com slash total soccer. That's forhims.com slash total soccer. The link will be in the show notes. Quick disclaimer prescription requires an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Offer valid only if prescribed. Three month minimum subscription. Additional restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash total soccer. Thank you to Hims for sponsoring Soccer 101. Okay, now you have the basic idea of positional play. Here are a few concepts and theories fundamental to making it happen. A biggie in the positional play world is establishing superiorities. Sound complicated? It's not. It just means creating situations where you are superior to your opponent. And there are more or less three types of superiority. Numerical, qualitative, and positional. Numerical, qualitative, and positional. Here's the 101 explanation of all three. Numerical superiority means having more players in a situation than the opposition does. So a 2v1 situation or a 3v2 situation, is a numerical superiority. Qualitative superiority is difficult to say, but actually quite simple. It's about having your best players up against an opponent they can beat. So creating a situation where a fast player is up against a slow player, or a skillful player is up against a bad defender, or Leo Messi is up against anyone, that's a qualitative superiority. Positional superiority is slightly more nuanced, but still easy to grasp. It just means putting players in a situation where they're better positioned than their opponent, usually in terms of body shape and direction. So if you can pass a ball into the path of a striker who's running forward toward goal, 
while the marking defender is running backward and having to turn around, your attacker has positional superiority. So there you go. Get yourself some superiority. Here's a handful of other important concepts. First, if you're going to move the ball around and move your players around and move opposition players around and create superiorities, then you need space to do it in. So you need to make the field as big as possible. The two dimensions of space on a soccer field are width and depth. Width is horizontal, depth is vertical. So you establish width by having at least one player out on either touchline. If you do this, you force the opposition to stretch themselves out horizontally, creating space in between. Depth is harder to create because the opposition defenders can choose to stay low or step high and they have the offside rule on their side. But you can create depth by having at least one dangerous player up against the opposition defensive line, threatening to run in behind them all the time. This way you establish as much depth as is within your control. Second, once you have width and depth, you try to place your creative players between opposition lines. With a Guardiola team, you'll often see his best midfielders, like say Kevin De Bruyne, positioned between the opposition's defensive line and the opposition's midfield line. This creates confusion for the defenders and the midfielders. Which of us should mark this pink-faced man? Third, the players need to be positioned, let's call it dynamically, in relation to each other, so that there are lots of nice passing angles between them, and they're never in a flat, predictable shape, full of straight lines. This isn't flatland. This has multiple dimensions. So the informal rule we know Guardiola uses is this. Never more than three players in a horizontal line, never more than two players in a vertical line. Players are expected to keep checking where they are in relation to teammates and adjust accordingly. Fourth, and maybe most important, you're working to create a free man and then pass the ball to that free man. To put it another way, you're trying to create a situation where a player is unmarked and in a position to advance the ball and attack, and then you're giving the ball to that player. And then you do it again from there. Who better to explain the free man concept than Xavi Hernandez himself, former central midfielder for both Barcelona and Spain, who won everything you can think of playing Juego de Posición. Quote, To look for the free man is, for example, the centre-backs have the ball and one of them is always free because you always have more defenders than strikers. In this case, Puyol dribbles up with the ball until an opponent steps to him. If my mark is the one that tries to stop him, then I become the free man. If Iniesta's man steps up to him, then Andres Iniesta becomes the free man. And like that, we look for superiority in any area of the pitch. You create three versus two, you win it, and now you have a free man. We advance up the field, unquote. That's how you win not just La Liga, not just the Champions League, not just the European Championships, not just the World Cup, but the Qatar Stars League as well. Extrapolate this up the field and you can see how positional play gets you from your own defensive third into midfield and then from midfield into attack and then hopefully in on goal. It's about creating a situation where there's an unmarked player available to receive the ball in a way that advances the ball up the field. You always create the free man in the next zone or the next stage of the field and then you find him and away you go. Of course, this makes it sound easier than it is. Remember, the other team is always trying to stop you. But that's where the high-level coaches like Guardiola or Bielsa 
or new to the ranks, Mikel Arteta, are always working on new ways to make it happen. So now you know. I hope I did a decent job of conveying this concept. I hope anyone who was previously perplexed by positional play now feels like they get it. I'm not saying you could go out and coach positional play to a team tomorrow. You shouldn't. I shouldn't. But I am hoping the next time you see, say, Guardiola's Man City team or Berhalter's US Men's National Team play, you'll have a better idea of what they're doing or what they're trying to do. If you enjoyed this, then I hope you'll enjoy other episodes. Please scroll through the feed, scroll up and down, see what catches your eye. And also, please listen to our other show, The Total Soccer Show, which is more about news and reviews of big games. All right, I've been Daryl Grove, and thank you for listening to Soccer 101. 